Welcome to the Kara's Care Show, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundlin. That's what's the one thing our kids really need to handle life? Resiliency. We explore the cutting edge of wellness here, and resiliency is uh, something key to all of that. But as parents, I know I do. We worry about things that we're doing that could mess up our kids down the road. And if you're listening to this, I think our guests would want you to know you're already a good enough parent, like all of us, trying to do our best. So today I'm excited to speak with Dr. Laura Saunders. She is a child psychologist at the Institute of Living in Hartford with some tips for us. Thank you, doctor, for being with us. Thank you for having me, Kara. I mean, parents do worry, right? We'll joke, but also worry about, oh, what, did I, what am I, what am I going to do that my kids are going to talk about in therapy someday? We worry about mistakes we're going to make. Right. And we all make mistakes. And I think that's what's really important to keep in mind. There, you know, parenting's the hardest job in the world. We all make mistakes. And it's about making minor self-corrections to help you uh, go down a different path. Um, it's being, I think being a good parent is about being self-reflective. How could I have handled that differently? How will I handle it differently next time? It's not about perfection. We all make mistakes, but we want to try to provide some guidance to avoid certain mistakes over others or to, you know, to use some self-correction to help your children go down a different path. Yeah. So that's why we're here talking about uh, there are some parenting mistakes that we often make that really can impact a child's mental strength. So you're going to give us five steps that we can foster resiliency. And number one, uh, we need to do. I'm going to put it up to you. Stop, <laughs> stop saving our children from failure experiences. Here's the reality. As adults, I, we have a lot of life experience, right? You have a lot of life experience. I have a lot of life experience. M most all parents out there have a lot of life experience. And we'd really like to save our children from some of the heartaches, some of the painful things that we experience. Mm. But if you think about it, those painful things stick with us because we hopefully learn from them. And so what we don't want to do is prevent our children from having some failure experiences. As I always say, I don't mean like safety issues, right? You see your child, you know, riding off the edge of a cliff. That's a safety issue. That's different. That's not a failure experience. Um, but things that we can easily fix for them, you know, it could be something as simple as working on a puzzle and you see them just struggling with trying to get some pe and, and saying, I know that this piece goes here let them struggle right it, and and again it's the smaller struggles that's where the learning and the problem solving takes place um so the it's such a big part of success for any of us is reflecting on and learning from those failure experiences and that's how we develop some resiliency Right. So we have to kind of step back and, um, you know, uh, just allow them to struggle, which I think is really hard to do. Um, I, I'm reminded of a story of uh, the founder of Spanx who said that she thinks she could found, she could create Spanx after getting 
hundreds, maybe thousands of rejection letters about this little garment that now so many people wear, but that her parents used to ask her one question at dinner. All the kids, they'd say, what did you fail at today? And that they, she, they just like really wanted to normalize failure. Um, so uh, what should we do um, to kind of check ourselves when we're like, oh, I just, you know, maybe it's a friendship issue. You see them getting left out of a party or they're struggling and you're like, I just want to call that mom or I want to do, you know, there's so many things that we think, oh, we could be there in a way that no one was there for us. But how do we check ourselves so we're not taking them away from those failure experiences? I mean, this is, a lot of this is fine line stuff. And and again, we're not talking about like serious issues around like your child's being bullied and you're just going to let them experience it or, you know, or safety issues They're doing things, you know, they're getting involved in things that are unsafe and could impact them, you know, in a serious way. What, you, you know, we call an adverse childhood event. We're not talking about those kind of things. We're talking about the little things where, you know, sometimes honestly struggling with a peer relationship while painful to watch, right? No one wants their children to be rejected or to, you know, to not have things work out with a friend. Like those are hard things to watch. And I like to acknowledge that for parents. It's hard, but letting them sort some of this out themselves and not getting involved at the parent level, not always calling up that other parent and saying, your child has said something mean to my child. That might've been true. And you can problem solve with your child around, okay, if someone says something mean to you, you know, what do you need to do to help yourself? You need to walk away. You need to say something back, whatever it is. But letting some of those failure experiences, having them, you know, try things that are that are difficult. But if you think about it, it's the failure experiences for all of us that really can lead to the biggest learning and the best emotional resiliency. Yeah, yeah. Number two, expecting perfection. You say parents often, this is a mistake we can make, that it's okay to set some goals, but when we expect perfection, we could be setting our kids up for some troubles down the road. We all want our children to be their best selves. It is also about knowing, especially when you have multiple children, knowing that this child A does really well in this area, child B does really well in this different area, and it's okay that they're different. At the same time, not always setting the bar so high for them that they constantly feel like they're missing the bar because that gap creates feelings of inadequacy. It's also about tapping into you know, your child's inner motivation. While you may want them to be you know, a straight A student, your child may not care a lot about academics. Now, I want people, I want young people to get exposure to all different subjects and to, you know, to put effort in, you know, you might not think that you're going to use chemistry or algebra later in life, but those problem solving skills are actually foundational blocks for other learning. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, expecting your child to get an A in in a subject area that's just really not for them means that you are pushing them and it it builds up resentment and it builds up um, feelings of, of, you know, confidence issues later in life. So it's really being careful that you are tapping into your child's motivation and what's important to them, setting goals. I set goals all the time. I constantly have goals. So it's not about not setting goals. It's about setting realistic goals and not always striving for perfection. 
Okay, so let's take academics because this is a this is a big thing where lots of parents do different things, and it's really easy as a parent to go, "Oh my gosh, there's so much pressure now! Like <gasps> they're not going to get into college, and they have to do this, and they have to do that, and they have to do this." And I, and that's a whole other conversation. I, I I know you've helped us take a breath with that. They're going to go to college. They're going to be okay. But is it wrong? Like, is it too? Let's say you have a kid who really you know, struggles with organization. Maybe your child has ADHD. Maybe um, they're just not the straight A student, you know, that so-and-so down the street is. Then do you say, you obviously want to set some expectations, right? Do you say, we expect you to get all A's and B's? That seems like something you're able to do. We accept you to have no missing work. Like, how do you set expectations so that they're not just goofing off, but not put so much pressure? Right. So what you're talking about there is actually setting expectations for effort. Okay. That's different than production. So, yes. Do you need to, you know, put effort in, you know, do spend some time on your homework, you know, get yourself ready? Yes. You need to set expectations for effort. Um, and, you know, in general, when you put in an, a good amount of effort, there will be some production. But knowing your children and knowing some kids do well in this area, some kids do well in this area, what I don't want us to do is engage in a lot of social comparison because that really is a huge trap for ourselves as parents and for our children. Thinking about, you know, Sally down the street takes all AP classes or, you know, you know, high level college classes in high school and my child doesn't want to take any AP classes and doesn't want to do any of those things, right? When you engage in that social comparison, all you serve to do is make yourself feel inadequate as a parent and send messages of inadequacy to your child or to your teen. Mm -hmm. So it's focusing on what your child's strengths and, and weaknesses, deficits are, and highlighting what their strengths are doesn't mean we don't try to build up some of their weaknesses, but not engaging in a lot of social comparison because that just sets people up for failure. So back to what you were saying about effort versus results, you might not make the, the expectations then, I want you to get all A's and B's. The expectation would be you're not going out until all of your homework is done and you know, we want you to make sure you're doing your homework all the time. Yeah. And, and, and if your child's struggling, right, if there's, if there's some academic issues, if we're, you know, we're talking about school here. Um, but I've, I've really seen this um, from parents in sports also. So yes, I don't want to, like, there are parents that, you know, they want their child to be, you know, at the highest possible level of sports. And so they've got to be out back throwing pitches, throwing pitches, or, you know, with their lacrosse stick against the net, you know, there are parents that really insist on many hours of extra practice in sports. And again, if your child's not that into it, what you are doing is creating resentment and, and feelings of anger and frustration that are just not going to lead to anywhere positive. So it's just keeping in mind what your child's strengths and weaknesses are having realistic expectations, again, setting some goals, right? If your child says, I really want to be a better lacrosse player, then fine. My suggestion would be, or, or you know, you can talk to the, your coach, spending time out back, throwing the lacrosse ball against a net or, you know, with a friend. You can do things, you can set goals, you can put in extra effort, 
Um, but even if you put in extra effort, doesn't mean you're going to be the best. And so having expectations for the effort, not necessarily always the the end goal. Yeah. And I love what you said about sports, you know, and I'll just throw a little my experience. I, ha I happen to be related and I don't have any of those talents. My brother is an Olympic running coach, was actually the manager of the men's track and field team at the Olympics and all of that stuff. And he has said as he coaches athletes at the highest levels, um, all the parents who are making them do crazy things, like you don't really even know until they're older, like until they've gone through puberty, until they're this, and then they have to have the desire. There's a reason I never go to run any of his popular races. I say, I don't have our desire to run the marathon, so I will come and cheer you on. But I guess what you're saying is if the kids don't have the desire, no amount of banging them over the head is going to make them perfect. And it might be that kids want to do things to please their parents. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's just keeping your expectations in check and and really making sure that you tap into your child's motivation, um, because if you're pushing them too, too hard in an area where they don't really feel that, you know, they don't they're not motivated. Um, it's just going to create problems down the line. OK, so following I guess what you're saying is when we set those goals, um, not only do we want them to be realistic, we want to ask the kids what their goals are. Engage their cooperation in setting those goals. Okay, so number three of these five points we're doing to not uh, to avoid have these parenting mistakes that are so common, uh, making sure that our kids are always comfortable or overindulging them. And that's something that is unique in this parenting generation. You know, we look on Instagram and everyone's got the most perfect lunches and the most perfect rooms and the most perfect this. <laughs> so there's a lot of, so you're actually saying it's okay. We want our kids to maybe feel some discomfort. Yes, you know, and, and, having them try new things that are that's a little bit uncomfortable right this is the time where some kids are going to sleepaway camps and doing things that they might not have done before and that's going to be uncomfortable that's going to be you know you're going to miss them they're going to really miss you um but you're going to try this experience that they said they wanted to try it but now it's getting a little closer now it's becoming a little bit more uncomfortable i don't think i want to go we said we were going to try this, so you're going to try this. Um, and so it's, you know, having them try new things, new friends, new situations. Um, it's a little bit like failure experiences in terms of embracing uncomfortable moments. And again, the corollary to, you know, making sure they don't always feel so comfortable is not overindulging, right? Your child, and I, again, I worry that's how this generation of parents are different is because everything's on social media, right? You see that, you know, that the child down the street has the latest whatever. I mean, you know, clothes, uh, sports items, uh, video games, um, and just making sure that you're not overindulging, that there, it feels like there's some effort put in to earn things mm. um, so that you equate effort with results. Okay. Um, so. It's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And and then, so what, how does the script go like that? Like, so uh, if you're parenting, what, what would you advise parents when they're like, because we get in that way, like, oh, gosh, you know, well, mom, so-and-so, you know, is getting a car when they turn 16 or so-and-so got the latest lacrosse stick. I don't want this, you know, one from Play It Against Sports. They got it at da-da-da. You know, they're always showing you what their friends have. And there's a moment where as a parent you're going, okay, I'm not good enough. I should be doing this, that, or the other. So, so what? 
what's the scripting for the parent of like, let's take a moment and decide whether or not you really want to do this or not? I think it's there's several different factors to consider. Number one is always economics, right? Yeah. Not overextending yourself if you truly can't afford something. Number two is really looking looking at your child that your child's matching, you know, their their motivation and their words, right? Their words and their behavior match. They could say, I want this. And then they could say, I want this. You've seen the patterns and that they want new things and then they sort of toss them aside. Um, so it's, it's really looking that their words and their behaviors are matching. And again, you remember your children are, are practicing or engaging in social comparison also. They mm -hmm. feel like every other child has something that they don't. And that would always be true. Another child will have something that they don't have. Um, so if we're always looking at what some what someone else has and what we don't have, that's going to be a very hard existence because you're going to constantly feel like you don't have enough and that you're inadequate in some way. So what I try to engage in in some of those situations is delay of gratification. OK, you want a new lacrosse stick. This is what I need from you. I need for, for you to do X. Well, you know, I need you to make your bed every day for two weeks. I need you to take the garbage out, whatever. Come up with something where there's a little bit of delay of gratification and some effort to be put in on their part so that they don't like the next day say, oh, yeah, I really didn't want that anyway. Um, so delay of gratification. Delay of gratification is a lifelong skill that is useful for everyone. Yeah. Well, parents, too, right? They, uh, done another segment about not buying too much online with your thumb, right? They said, leave it in the... Leave it in the car, go to sleep for a day. Right. You still want that thing the next day. So wait, wait at least 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. I mean, it's a, unless it's a need. Yeah, yeah. So need versus I want. Um, the next thing is not setting parent-child boundaries. And this gets tricky, too, because your kids will tell you, well, so-and-so, they're like best friends. And so-and-so's parents are so cool. And when people go over their house, they're allowed to do whatever they want. But you're actually saying from a psychological perspective, we can't just be a friend. It's a beautiful thing when, you know, parents and adult children have, you know, made changes to their relationship and, you know, share a lot more with each other. That's a beautiful thing. It's not always achievable, but it's a beautiful thing. What we're talking about here are children and, and teens that need some expectations, that they need limits, that they need boundaries, that they need structure, that they need things. Um, really, the worst thing you can do for your child is tell them all your problems, right? Because that's just a burden. And it's one thing to say, we can't afford that, right? We're not going to do that right now. We can't afford that. That's a probably a statement of truth in, in, in a lot of different situations. It's another thing to say, uh, let me just tell you about all my financial woes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to a to a young person who has zero control over any of that. So it's that's that boundary. It's there's things that you can share. We're not doing that right now. You know, we can't go on a vacation this year. Finances are tight. Okay, that's a, probably a, a true statement, but that's very different than giving them all the details and using your child as a sounding board in those situations. I do worry a lot about. Um, single parents, because mm -hmm. they, you know, my hope is that they can build networks of other parents to to share things with, because you don't necessarily want to be sharing a lot of things with your children. Um, but, you know, trying the best you can to provide structure and some consistency and and having those boundaries. 
Yeah, and from a psychological perspective, that structure, you mentioned earlier ACEs, um, I guess, is that an adverse childhood experience? Adverse childhood events. Adverse childhood events. And so there's all this. Yeah, there's like a huge body of research on adverse child events. Yeah, and how many you had and and how it leads to trauma later, you know, big T, little T. But basically what you're saying is that um, when it comes to this, when sharing all these things, like, um, we're, uh, we can, we can be hurting our kids when we're trying to like, you know, especially, and I know that I grew up with a single mom and probably leaned on me a little too much, but we don't want to parentify our kids. We want to really try not to. And I, and I understand that it's, you know, there's lots of parents out there, even, you know, single parents, grandparents who are raising children, you know, even sometimes, you know, two parent families, where one parent's really doing a majority of the work and the other parent's a little more distant or absent. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. And sometimes you just want, you just want to tell your child why you had such a hard day. And I'm not saying you can't say I had a hard day today. You know, I had X and Y happen, but then I figured it out. And then I came up with this solution, right? You, you know, you want to model a little bit of problem solving there, but um, but not just being careful about using your child as your sounding board or, you know, the t- term you use kind of overly parentifying them, bringing, you know, I think from a systemic point of view, like bringing your child up to your level as opposed to the parents here and the child's here. Um, it, it's hard. I'm not criticizing people. Yeah. I'm just encouraging people not to make the mistake of not having boundaries with your child, with your teen and, you know, setting some limits when needed and creating some structure for them and some expectations. Yeah, no, all very reasonable. Number five, not taking care of yourself. So we get very busy, especially, you know, you get a little older and you've got kids and you've got a job and you've got uh, maybe older parents who are taking care of. So we can really burn out. Uh, that's a big topic that we talk here and Kara's cares about. But not taking care of ourselves is actually something that is a parenting mistake right? What our children see, what our children and our teens see, because remember, we are role models. So what they see is that if we don't take care of ourselves, right? If you, if you have a lot of bad habits as a parent, you smoke and you maybe drink too much and you don't exercise, you don't eat healthy, you don't do anything to take care of yourself. That's what, and, and maybe as a parent, you are, you're putting aside all your own needs to take care of your child, but really what you're modeling is I'm not important, mm-hmm. right? And then your child grows up and takes on that same mentality is I'm not important. I'm going to just meet other people's needs when, right, we call that codependency, but that's a discussion for another time. So doing things, and again, I'm, I don't like the word selfish. I, I don't really use that word. It's a very judgmental word. But having doing things that are around self-care and and having some self-focus at times, you know, parents need downtime at night. You know, the kids are in bed. The kids are settled. They need their downtime to rejuvenate themselves. Parents, you know, I really want parents to have friends to do something outside the home, to do something with your with your spouse, to go on a date night, to, you know, set aside a half hour at the end of your day for to sip a cup of tea and, and read a book for a little bit or listen to a podcast, listen to Kara's Gears, to do <laughs> things to rejuvenate yourself and not just put aside all your own needs to meet the needs of your children. 
because that's what you're modeling is that other people's needs are more important than your own. Yeah, yeah. And this is something I know, especially moms, uh, you know, if you're on the Channel 3 Mom Squad and, we're, and we're, we have a great Facebook group where we're trying to create a community. But this is something, you know, that uh, that it, moms especially struggle with. You know, I asked, does a mom ever get a sick day? And everyone, you know, went crazy. No, of course not. But that's really, you know, it's disturbing our kids. I love what you said that we're modeling for them. Um, you know, a lot of working moms might have guilt that they're missing certain things. And I remember one of the things that I said it learned in one interview was, but you're also modeling for your kids that um, you can go out and chase your dreams. You can go out and have a career. You can go out and do things that are important to you. So when we actually take care of ourselves, we are being a good parent. We're teaching our kids right. something. Right. Right. And and because we are role models and that's that is extra pressure on us. And again, I'm not saying, you know, we go off and spend weeks at a time doing our own thing and neglect yeah. our children, but taking little bits of time. It, it, it would be beautiful if it was every day, but at least intermittently to do things, you know, that feel good to go on a walk, to have coffee or tea with a friend or talk on the phone with a friend or, you know, join a book club, do, you know, be outside, do things that make you feel good about yourself as a way to model that taking care of yourself is really important no matter what age. And yeah, I mean, people's lives are frenetic and, and, and difficult and there's a lot of pressure and you, you're juggling so many different things at one time, but taking a little bit of time. I'm not talking hours a day. I'm talking sometimes just 15, 20 minutes to do something for yourself. Um, you are modeling that self-care is just as important as caring for others. Yeah, and then you can uh, maybe use that delayed gratification. I know you want to go out and play outside, or I know you want to ride to the mall or whatever stage your kids are at. Mommy needs to take 20 minutes to go whatever we're going to do, decompress. I'll do it in a few minutes. So I guess we're teaching multiple skills. But I want to review at the end of this, um, if you're remembering all the, I know we all worry about, oh, my gosh, what am I doing to mess up our kids, which we shouldn't because we're all doing good jobs. But um, number one, these are the five things. Save your children from failure experiences. We don't want to do that. We don't want to expect perfection. Number two, making sure they're always feeling comfortable. We don't want to be doing that. Not setting parent-child boundaries and not taking care of yourself. Those five things, um, which you've given us some really, you know, easy, doable things of just how we can reframe some things. Those five things are maybe some areas that we can improve on and it'll make our lives easier too. So we're not killing ourselves. <laughs> in the long run, yes. And and we're not asking people to make massive changes in a day. Pick, pick one or two things and focus on that, right? No, no. Again, I think what makes a really good parent is a willingness to self-reflect and say, hmm, I could have handled that differently. I'm going to handle it a little differently next time. Or this is an area where I can work on or this is an area where I can set a boundary. So it's having that self-reflection, I think, is really critical. And, you know, allowing yourself the grace to make mistakes as a parent, to look at what happened, talk to someone about how you could do it differently and then step into that change also. Love it. Dr. Laura Saunders, we will leave it there. Um, you've told us many times, comparison is a thief of all joy and allow yourself the grace to make mistakes. So those, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there and work on it. Thank you so much, Dr. Saunders from the Institute of Living in Hartford. We appreciate your wisdom as always. Take care, Kara. And thanks for tuning in, everyone, to Kara's Cures. Uh, if you found this useful, we really love that you support the work. Share it um, with your friends and loved ones on social media. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.